Hello, and welcome to The Bite, Hope Brooklyn's weekly podcast for bite-sized spiritual thoughts to inspire you as you center your life around God's great story. Thanks so much for listening. Matthew five seventeen through 20. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless... Your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. You will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Throughout the story of scripture and Jesus' teaching, this concept of God's law keeps coming up over and over, which we can think of as a holistic philosophy that when practiced and striven for in its complete and fulfilled form is perfection and beauty in this life. Therefore, to pick and choose from the author of life's philosophy is to naturally miss out on the intended pleasures and purposes. And as they say, the devil's in the details, which in this case is only an expression. But Jesus talks about not one letter should disappear or be omitted from God's law. The word Jesus uses to illustrate this is most likely the Hebrew letter Yad, which Jewish teachers at the time were insistent about this letter not disappearing from the story. This is the letter... Um, that made the difference in Sarai's name being changed to Sarah, for instance. It was, it was a small stroke of a pen or a jot, as sometimes is translated, but it made a big difference in the story. It was a small but mighty change. It carried a lot of weight. In God's story, over and over again, the small things are what make a big difference. Details are what God is concerned with. And mainly, to pick and choose from elements of God and his philosophy of life, Jesus might argue here, is not true love. We can think about this in terms of our other relationships, friends, family, significant others, what have you. Uh, For instance, if I pick and choose areas of my life to give over to my wife and share with her and open up to her about, um, for instance, if I plan the most elaborate and romantic dates, but... On those dates, I don't open up about things that have been on my mind and heart and refuse to be vulnerable. Or if I'm free with my money and I buy her nice things and give her gifts all the time, but I'm cold or turned off with physical affection toward her, could I really say I'm loving her and giving myself to her completely? Some might say no. I might say yes, I'm giving her some of those things wholeheartedly, but other things I'm holding on to and keeping to myself. Obviously, in marriage and relationships, just as in our walk with God, it's broken and it's imperfect and requires so much forgiveness and grace along the way for our stumblings and our screw-ups. And we're on a journey that's dynamic and always changing, but we're striving for that complete wholeness, that shalom. Not that we'll necessarily get there in this life, but we're, we're constantly sharpening the point And we have a trajectory and an aim and something we're moving toward, compelled by the overflow of our hearts after having experienced the transforming love of God in our lives. And when Jesus said that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven, 
I think he's referring to this complete and total inner outer transformation that happens when we encounter the gospel. The miracle of rebirth that happens inside of us only when we encounter the love of a good father that makes us want to throw all in with him. As opposed to the pharisaical approach, which was all about the outer facade of righteousness and cleanliness and crossing every I and dotting every T and keeping up with the Joneses, so to speak. Jesus says here, while the details are important and God is all about them, that's not what makes us righteous before God. What makes us righteous is surrender. And this makes righteousness nothing we do besides open our hands and say, Jesus, I am yours. Love me, forgive me, redeem me. I need you. That is the hallmark of righteousness in the upside-down kingdom. Not piety, but humility. Echoing how Jesus opens this most famous sermon, that the ones who will see God and be filled and be shown mercy and comfort and will inherit the earth and the kingdom are the meek and the hungry, the downtrodden and persecuted, the ones who know they don't have it together, the lacking, but are able to open their hands and say, I can't do this, but you can. The gospel is that God loves us fully and completely and held nothing back from us. He goes all in and he asks us to do the same. And when our hearts are gripped and changed by this kind of love, we want to go all in back, give ourselves to this God and this kind of love and let the current take us. God, we want this kind of love. We want this kind of righteousness this surrender, this giving up of ourselves, this awareness that we are lacking, that we are hungry, that we are thirsty, that we are empty. We can't do this. We can't do it on our own. We can't do it without you and without your body, the community that you've placed us in. Show us how to open our hands, Father. Show us how to truly be vulnerable with ourselves and with each other and with you. Teach us the ways of your philosophy of life, your law. Only you can do this, Jesus. In your name, amen. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of The Bite. To find out more about the mission and ministry of Hope Brooklyn and to subscribe to our other podcasts and lots more, visit us online at www.hopebrooklyn.org.